Take your Bibles now to Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1. Uh, we're getting ready next week to wrap up this series, and we're just talking about the church. You know, we talk about the pandemic and um, everything that happened a year ago. I remember it like it was yesterday. We had a deacons meeting, would have been a year ago yesterday. And we got together, we were just talking about uh, the fact that they're saying there's a chance that we might not be able to have church and all these things were transpiring and my mind was like blown. I was like, I can't believe this is actually happening. And uh, it was, it's been a roller coaster ever since, but something came up in the midst of that where people were saying these words, is the church essential? And they were talking about where, you know, if they were going to put a, open up like uh, hairstyle salon places and, and, and grocery stores and what stores would open restaurants and all these different things. What's essential? What's the most important? And the name of churches got brought in there like our church is essential. And I started thinking if we're going to get back and we're going to move forward and we're going to know what we do, we need to know exactly what the Bible has called us to do. So the first week we started talking about what the word church means is the ecclesia, the called out body, living stones, family of God, living organism. Not a place, not traditions, but a calling out of God's people. Then we talked about our identity. We are known by God's love. Man, it's a, it's a, it's a quality, it's a distinction about us. And if that's not part of us, then, then we're, we, we blend in the crowd. Jesus said to the disciples, they will know that you're my disciples when you have the same love one for another. And he gave the illustration of his love towards them. Then we rolled in talking about that we are on a mission. What is our mission? To help people find Christ. What does that mean? And we talked about Ananias and his involvement in Saul's life of helping him find Jesus Christ because the world is lost. Last week, we talked about how we help people follow Christ. We're making disciples. It's not just a matter of seeing them saved. It's a matter of coming alongside of them. None of what I am speaking of is just a matter of outlines that we're flipping through. These are practices. These are things that we're going to stand on. You're going to hear these things preached, talked about, and implemented into our lives because church works. It works. It's a vital part of our life when we people start saying, I don't want to get out of bed and just go there and hear some guy talk and sing songs. It, it's a matter we don't understand the principle of what it is. It's vital to our lives. It's vital community. It's vital to families. But along the way of church, things change. Styles of things change. Uh, we, we, we think about uh, churches and technology, how it's changed and just outreach has changed, and our logo has changed, and I talk to a camera and not just people. That's changed. We talk about Facebook Live. We talk about checking in. Things change. Programs change. We're talking about our go teams and getting into the community and different approaches to do that. It's changed. Sometimes if we don't change, then we get behind and we, we aren't not reaching people. It's like, thank God we had online things during the pandemic or else we would have lost connection in a massive ways. God allows us to keep up with things. And I, and I know we know that everybody would agree with that. I mean, if things didn't change, we'd still be driving Model T cars and, you know, all the different things that we had in the past. I mean, there's, there's things that change to keep up with just the culture to be able to keep up. But at the same time, this is what I'm I, I having on my heart. There are some things that as we move forward that do not change. Amen. They don't. Not at all. And I think it's important that we understand this because as we're moving forward, we understand that we're moving forward reaching a world that is constantly changing. We're constantly blown away. 
of like, I can't believe that's up for debate, and I can't believe the Bible says this is wrong, and the world is changing, morals, uh, morality, even the, 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 whether a child is a truly a child in the womb or not. And we sit back, and as the world changes, it's easy to go with the flow and adapt to the culture around us, because that's just what happens. It's, it's the same illustration that I take. If you take anything hot or cold, and you set it in a room, and you leave it to itself, it will adapt to the temperature of its surroundings. If we're not careful, as Christians, we slowly adapt to the surroundings around us, and all of a sudden we become good for nothing. Because we're called to be light in darkness, difference. We're called to be holy, for God is holy. We're called to be separated, sanctified, pulled out, different, distinct, peculiar. That's what we are. How do we know what is right and what is wrong? How do we know what we stand on? The Bible says that it's truth, and we know that. Man, Jesus was truth. The truth was made flesh. We, 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 we celebrate truth. We preach truth. But how do we know what is truth? What is it? John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Every time we get up to preach, we say, turn in your Bibles this morning to this. Because if I'm going to get up and just rant and rave about my opinions or all my ideas or whatever, <clears throat> there's no absolute standard of truth when it comes to that. That's what happens in the world. They do whatever feels good or what it comes along and how, how society culture goes in one way or another. But the Bible says that the Word of God is a standard. The Word of God doesn't change. It's His very words. If God does not change, His Word doesn't change. And I know a lot of times we try to adapt it to try to fit culture. The Bible doesn't need to fit culture. The Bible is here to change culture. It's here to change us. God's Word is truth. Jesus explained this with a visual. He was talking in Matthew chapter 7, and as he was talking to me, he gave them illustrations all the time, and he was talking about building. And he talked about if a man's going to build a house, he needs to build it on a rock. And we think of a big rock, but he's talking about a foundation. This building, this church, was built on a foundation. They build out footers, and they lay it on there, because the surrounding parts of the, the, the dirt and everything, it shifts and it changes, and it won't stand and it won't last. Jesus was using that as a visual. And he talked about if those will take the word of God as absolute truth and take their relationship with God as absolute truth, and you're to build your marriage and your life and your family and your parenting on that, it's going to stand because God said that the storms are going to come in, and as the storms come in, it's going to beat upon the house. If it's not on the rock, it's going to fall. He talked a second illustration. He said that those are there that will build their house on the sand. And as he was talking, he said, And every one of you that hear these sayings of mine and doeth them shall be likened to a foolish man that built his house upon the sand. And when rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew, the storms of life happened and beat upon the house and it fell. And great was the marriage. Great was the church division. Great was the divorce. Great was, you could put it in there, but great was the fall of it. Whatever you build on the sand. Here's the thing. Let me just explain it like this. The sand is our opinions, our feelings. You know what happens about my feelings? 
I'll have strong feelings about one thing and somebody will come and change my mind and my feelings will change. I have strong opinions about one thing and then something will happen in life and I'll change my opinion. So all of a sudden what happens in life is we build what's right and wrong when it comes to murder and gender identity and sexuality and all these other things upon feelings or emotions. If you've ever been to the beach, you know what it's like. You go out on the sand and all of a sudden you can walk in it and you can push down in it and it's going to shift. There's nothing stable to it. It's, it there, there's no structure to it. It's, go, it's going to shift. And what happens is Jesus was saying, they will build their house or they will build America or they will build homes or you can even build churches this way. But I can tell you this, when the storms come and the pressure comes and all of a sudden things begin to slide and shift and fall apart because it was not founded on the rock. And great was the fall of it. I say this to every teen, I say this to every young person in here, you have to understand when we talk about follow Jesus, follow Jesus, put God first, it means that you establish that this is right, and if it goes against it, it's wrong. This is the absolute standard in our lives. And the moment we begin to say, well, I believe the Bible but I also believe my friends, or I believe the Bible, or I go there and they say that creation is just a, a theory. I believe the Bible, but I don't believe that God would send sinners to hell. All of a sudden, you are mixing two things together. It can, it's either all right or it's not. And by the way, the Bible has established this. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. To sit there and have the idea that I believe that Jesus died to bring people to heaven, but I also believe that there isn't a hell, a man that's in both directions is unstable in all of his ways. God's word is true. 66 books, beginning to end, top to bottom, 100% truth. You say, do you believe that? Do you believe that? Do we believe that? Let me share my heart for a minute. As I, as I preach through this, the reason why I'm saying this is because we're going to hold each other accountable as we move forward as a church. You guys hear me as this? Yes. We will have pressure put on us to be able to adapt and change our message because of the fact is we, we, we count success in churches by what? Wow, we had a great attendance or we had a lot of people here today. Praise God. I want that. I want people to be saved and baptized and changed and brought into the church. I do. But sometimes we have the mindset, if I preach certain things or say certain things, it offends people. And if I'm offending people, they're not going to come back. So what happens is we begin to slow down. We begin to skip verses. We begin to skip doctrines. We begin to pull back in our preaching because the idea is I'm on Facebook Live or I'm on YouTube now. And people are listening or watching or hearing And I don't want to offend them because I'd rather them come and tune back in. I'd rather them give. I'd rather them participate. And all of a sudden, we have a kumbaya religion rather than it being built on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. It cannot happen. A half-truth is a lie. I cannot leave out things as I'm preaching the gospel. And by the way, you cannot leave out things as you preach the gospel. I, I think there's some things that be need, need to be said along with this. So how does this penetrate? How does this change us? You realize why we gather and why we preach and why we declare the word of God to be everything because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I want to talk about conviction before we get in this and I'm going to illustrate this in Daniel chapter 1 and ch- chapter 3 and, and we'll go through that. But I want to illustrate conviction. Conviction is something that reaches my heart 
that I am fully convinced with all of my heart that this cannot and will not change. And I think sometimes we have a head knowledge, but not a heart knowledge when it comes to conviction. The Bible says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I think sometimes we reference this as the Bible, and it is the Bible, but I think sometimes we reference it as, the, as God's word without re- totally understanding what that means. This is the very words spoken by the creator God, spoken to man for us to follow. It is the words of our master. It is the words of our savior. It is the words of life. It's not just an old book that we trust. It's not something we've passed down through generations of trans, uh, trans, uh, being able to traditions that we have and it's like man this is a good book and it was good enough for my dad so it's good enough for me I'm not saying that I'm saying that I believe that God doesn't change his word doesn't change and it's powerful today that's why the Bible says for the word of God is quick and powerful it throws out two things in that passage it's quick which literally means the word of God is alive It is not an old dead book. As I speak, as we read, as we preach, as we sing, and as we declare the word of God, there is something alive happening in that room, in that motion. The word of God goes out, and the Bible says it's powerful, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. It gets to the inner man in a way that man cannot You want to reach your kids, you want to see life change, you want to see their hearts broken when it comes to rebellion and stuff like that, it is not your lectures, it is the word of God. I love how Abby got up at the beginning of this and she was talking about just testifying what God did in her life. You know why? Because we brought them to a place that was fun, energetic, and exciting, but also that declared the word of God. In church, we must have classes that declare the word of God. We must have life groups that have a great time and fellowship and encourage each other, but they must be founded on the word of God. If we're going to preach and if we're going to have our Easter drama, praise God for the entertainment aspect. It Praise God it encourages. But if we leave out the word of God, we left out the power of God as well. It's a non-negotiable. And I don't care how things begin to change in our culture. It doesn't matter how culture begins to shift. It doesn't matter how they relabel things. I have a fact checker. It's right here. This is all that matters, right here. And if we're sitting there wondering if we should do something like that and just hear my heart when I say this, should we swap out wooden pews for chairs? It's not, it doesn't go against the book, so we're going to do it. And I think sometimes people will label things as compromise because they compromise against your feelings and preferences, but not against the word of God. This is the absolute standard. That's why we search things out when we make changes or move forward because the Bible says that we are to reach people, we're to be creative, we're to think outside the box, we're to follow Jesus, we're to be uh, passionate as we do things, but we're never, ever, ever to go against anything that God has said. We don't water this down. I love how the Bible says at the end of that verse, it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The the word piercing literally means that it reaches through to penetrate to the inner man. I am telling you guys now that the Bible has an effect on people in a way that nothing else possibly can have an effect. Because of the fact that it is God 
that created you, God that created man, the God that created everything in this world, that is speaking to the inner man as a father speaking to his child. And as he is speaking to you, he doesn't just speak to your ears or your brain, but he speaks to the inner man. And you say, man, I don't know. I've seen people that are so far away from God and they're so hard-hearted and they're so, they're, they're so just callous when it comes to the gospel. God said, don't worry about that. The word of God is able to pierce through to their heart in a way that you cannot do. I, I can't stress this enough when it comes to our Easter drama. We're going to be able to do something that is powerful. I pray that you're praying over our drama because of the fact is we outline the drama and the things that we say come straight from the scripture. And as people come in here that are lost and confused in this world and they don't understand what life is about, I'm able to be able to get up with this team and be able to give them truth. And I promise you the truth can set them free. I don't care how deep their addiction goes. I don't care how callous their mind is. I don't care how apathetic they become. I don't care how far they run. It does not matter. The word of God does not return void. But the word discerner is a judge. God judges our heart. God comes into their heart and literally judges and say, this is right and this is wrong to convict us. We must move forward as a church with conviction. Literally stating and standing on things that are convinced in our heart that these cannot change and will not change. Conviction means this. It's a fixed or firm belief, the act of convicting the state of being convinced. It's the spirit of God that convicts our hearts. Richard, just to warn you, I'm going to be doing this a little different, so... Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. And the Bible says that Daniel purposed in his heart. Now, I'm not going to go through all this because I want to get the message. I know that we don't have time for this. But I want us to sink into this principle here that Daniel was taken out with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, taken out of their homeland, placed to be foreigners in a foreign land. They were around things that didn't go adapt or things that went against their, their convictions, things that went against God. They worship false gods and false images. But at the very beginning of the book, they made a declare a declaration at the beginning of this. And he said, Daniel purposed in his heart. Let me just put this. Daniel had conviction. I know I'm here. And I know things are going to be crazy. And I know that I'm moving forward. But I'm going to tell you this. I have already decided that I know what the Bible says. And I know what my God has said. And I will not bow or change anything that goes against it. I want to move forward as a church. I want to make a difference. I believe that Jesus is coming soon, and I don't know when. It could be today. It could be 25 years from now. I don't know. But I can tell you this. Every step that we make will not make a difference if we begin to compromise truth. And as we're conformed to this world, as we're put into this pressure cooker, as we're put into the pressures of the things around us, whether it comes from kids or society or governments, we can not bow down to whatever they throw us our way if it goes against the Bible. Cannot. And I'm saying this to you guys as a church because I'm asking you to hold me accountable as well. If I dare begin to water down the truth, you fire me. I do not deserve this job or this position to be in here as a representative of the gospel if I'm not declaring what is right because that is my job as a pastor. 
And I say this at the same time with every class and every program that we have. We do it here where we purpose in our hearts that we will not be defiled with the things of the world around us. Daniel purposed in his heart. He had conviction. Let me fast forward and I'll give this message to you in a nutshell with this. The Bible says in Daniel chapter 3, verse 12, There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the providence of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They rose up of their government, rose up, and said that we're going to put these men to a test. We're going to raise up a statue. We're going to have them bow down and worship, whether they like it or not. See, the thing is, Satan will do things out of the box to put our faith to the test. Just to see, do you really believe it? Is it something that you do in your practice because it's easy to do and you go with the flow? Or are you going to have to? And we love this story. Man, everybody loves the story of Daniel and the lion's den. We love the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. We love these stories. They said, we're going to put them to the test. They said, these men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Here's the thing that has happened. They stood out there and they said, everybody bow down. They refused to bow down. Here's point number one, and I'll go through these quickly. Number one, we must stand for truth. See, it's easy to go with the flow. It's easy to be able to stand there and say, this is what everybody's doing and I'll just be quiet. But the principle that they were doing in that moment as they stood on there, they said, here's the instruction is what's going to happen. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are standing there going, what, no, we, what in the world are we going to do? They were just guys. Probably at the time, a lot of people in their young 20s or teenagers, we don't know, they were young guys with pressure being put on them, nudging each other, saying, guys, I, that's a false god. I know, we're not to worship any other gods before, before God. There were no other gods. Guys, they're going to throw us in the fire furnace. What are you going to do? I'll tell you what, I can't bow. Dude, I can't bow either. It's got to be determined already before we get in the situations who we serve and what we do. It's the same thing when you get into a college situation, you're in high school now. Praise God that God moves you into that. But you've got to be determined what you believe now before you get in those situations. It's the same thing with how you talk and how you live and the things that go through your heart and mind. You must be determined. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Thank God you're here today because the word of God will penetrate your heart to say this is right. And if it's not right, it won't last because it's built on the sand. The scary thing about this story is this. They played the music and everybody bowed. Isn't it weird? Nobody asked the question, why are we doing this? Nobody asked the question, does this statue going to answer my prayers? Nobody asked the question, will this restore my marriage? Nobody asked the question, why are we doing this? Played the music. Pushed it over social media. Pushed it over the news. Flooded through whatever YouTube and Netflix and everything else to put it in our mirrors, ears and our eyes and it affects our hearts and says, this is what everybody's doing. Well, okay. Just go with the flow because that's what's happening around us. But somebody was determined no matter what, I will not bow my convictions to anything that goes against the word of God. This happens in our culture and we've got we've to practice this in our hearts. And I'm telling you, when it comes to marriage, when it comes to premarital sex, when it comes to sanctification, when it comes to living right, when it comes to gender identity, when it comes to these things, we've got to be determined in our hearts. And I'll tell you, it even comes to when it talks about things with the, the, the gospel. 
We will not, we cannot change the message of the gospel because now it's like, man, when you start getting on sin, it offends people. Sin should offend people because it offended God so much that he died to take it away. We talk about hell. Man, you start telling people that they're going to go to hell. Can't we just preach about heaven? It's a half truth. You go to heaven because of Jesus Christ. You go to hell without Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. That is the truth. We cannot back down. When Jesus was preaching, he said, Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. It's not a matter of sitting there offending people. That's the truth. Jesus said, here's the thing. I am the way, the truth, and life. Unless you believe in me, you cannot see heaven. You're saying, why does that matter? Because of the fact is, if we don't tell the truth, then people will die and go to hell because it is the only way to heaven. They refused to bow like everyone else. And they stirred the pot. They stood out. The, the, the opening verse in verse 12 was obvious because of the fact is they're like, what in the world? Why aren't you bowing like everybody else? Don't you know what's going to happen? See, the thing is, a lot of times we don't want to stand out. That happens when you walk on a college campus. That's what happens when you get pulled into parties. That's what happens when you're going out, hanging with people. That's when you start dating the opposite sex and they, they, they don't have the same standards of what you have and things that go on in this life. And the Bible says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We say that all the time and it's so vital for us as Christians. Don't be transformed or conformed to this world. But you've ever asked the question, why? That ye may prove. That ye may be the evidence. That you may be the illustration of what is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. You see, if nobody stands up, nobody knows that it's wrong. If nobody stands up, nobody knows there's another way. If nobody stands up, nobody will ever know the truth. And if churches adapt and we turn the other way and we bow down to these things, nobody will ever know what God said about marriage. Nobody will ever know what God said about creation. Nobody will ever know what God said about salvation. Because they'll look around and everybody's doing the same thing as they are and they'll never know who to turn to. We must stand for truth. Number two, we must share the truth. I say this and you say that's kind of petty or a, a, a funny way to say that because it's kind of obvious. Do you understand that just because you have conviction in your heart doesn't mean you're to keep it to yourself? Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said unto the king, they brought him before the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve was able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. See, we can get caught up in the, the idea that this is my business and that's your business. You guys, listen, that's a secular mindset. That's your business. I just, I'm just going to stay out of it. You know what I'm saying? It's like things are happening. I'm just going to stay out of it. It's not on my business. It's not play, my place to say. And all of a sudden, we're so out to not offend people that we rob people of the truth. Because here it is. Pastor Bryce came on this stage. You know why we ordain him? He's ordained to preach the gospel, which is the truth. Literally mean preaching is to proclaim it. Not to keep it to ourselves. Everywhere Jesus went, he went out to the highways and hedges and the mountainside and the hilltops and everywhere he went and sat down and he taught them truth because he knew that they were bound in lies. 
John 8, 32, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. You know how they're going to know the truth? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Somebody has to speak up and somebody has to shout out what is right and what is wrong. I said, man, that's uncomfortable. If I went before Nebuchadnezzar, I'd be like, well, I'm sorry, man. We didn't mean to offend you, but they didn't just do that. They're like, here, we're not careful to answer you in this thing. We only serve the one true God, and I cannot and will not bow down to what you're saying. They had to proclaim the word of God to them and make it known. Let me emphasize something as we do this, and that's so important. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.15, but speaking the truth in love. I know that makes us sound soft, and some people will sit there. That's not soft, that's Bible, by the way, okay? Can you guys back me up on that? A lot of times we get so where we want to rip people's face off and yell at them and call them names. Jesus never did that. You know what love is? If you go according to the Bible, we did this a couple weeks ago. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not prideful. It doesn't boast itself. It thinketh no evil. So a matter if I'm going to speak the truth, I'm going to speak it in love. And by the way, you cannot have one without the other because God is truth and God is love. If you're going to give truth, you've got to give it with love because they're one and the same. So are we going to declare truth? Are we going to preach this? Are we going to stand for it? Absolutely. But I'll tell you what, we're going to do it with love every single time because that is the way that God created it to be. Love breaks down the walls that are around them. Love breaks down... The, the, the division that stands between us, that we show them love. Jesus loved sinners. He went out of his way to be a friend to sinners. He didn't call them names, but he showed them love. We preach the truth and love. That's not going soft. It's being like Jesus. We must stand for truth. We must share truth. And this is why, because we must reach the lost through the truth. I said this is one of the most popular passages in Scripture. And you say, why is it? Why, why is it so popular? And you say, because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went in the furnace and they weren't burned. Absolutely true. So cool. But can I give you a different perspective of this? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego represented truth. Satan will be out at anything possible to destroy truth. Do you guys get that? He turns the truth of God into a lie. That's what we've learned in the Bible. He turns the truth of God into a lie. So everything that we're sitting there and saying, no, it's a baby. No, it's just, it's a, it's a glob of nothing. No, it's, and we talk about, that, that's a boy. No, that's anything that we can turn around. It's going to flip upside down and try to cause confusion. God is not the author of confusion. Satan is the author of confusion. <clears throat> Satan will do whatever he can to attack truth. You don't wonder what this story was about. Nebuchadnezzar was so angry and upset because they guys, those guys represented truth. There's another God. There's another way. And they said, I will destroy you. That's what Satan's going to try to do every time. I'm forewarning you guys, if anybody stands for truth, Satan will do whatever he can to destroy truth. Here's the powerful aspect of this story. You cannot destroy truth. Because if God is truth and the word of God is truth, it cannot be destroyed. It cannot be conquered. It cannot be overcome. And it's amazing how the world is looking for truth that can't be destroyed. In Daniel 3.23, and, and it says, and, there, and these men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound in the midst of the fiery furnace. And Nebuchadnezzar, the king, was astonished and rose in haze and spake. And he said unto his counselors, did we not cast three men bound in the midst of the fire? He answered and said to king, true, O king. And he answered and said, lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire. And they have no hurt." 
And the form of the fourth one is like the Son of God. You know what they were looking for? You know what Jesus did as they were standing for truth, as they proclaimed truth? A church that will come in and be able to give the drama and be able to do these things and people walk in. People are dying and starving for truth. Because they're sick of the lies. How many of you guys are sick of lies in this world? Let me give you an illustration. How many of you guys know already that they've been trying to call you because your warranty is expired? I am so sick and tired of that same dumb phone call over and over again. I'll be running around and I'm thinking, oh, that's so-and-so. They said they were going to call me. And it's the, 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 like, you are a valid, uh, you know, you're a valuable member of Marriott. We gave, you're going to win a vacation for three days and all this. It's like, you are a liar. I didn't win anything. You don't know who I am. They're going to lower my interest rate on my credit card. No, you're not. And then they follow up. It's lies and scams everywhere around us. But let me tell you this, when the truth was put under fire, because people said, we will not bow, we will stand and declare truth, they were like, what is that? You guys get what was happening in this passage? They turned and was like, guys, that almost looks like God. The fourth one looks like God. All of a sudden, because we stand for truth, we give truth in the midst of a world of lies, the truth conquers and the truth stands out and the truth convicts and the truth changes. Now, I won't read through this and I'm going to wrap this up with this, but let me just tell you this. The end of the story, this is what happens. Nebuchadnezzar pulls him out and says, you do serve the God that is alive and real. We serve the God that is alive and real. I have the God in my heart. I'm fully convinced that there is heaven and hell and I'm fully convinced that when I accepted Jesus Christ, I was changed from the inside out. Let me just declare it like this. It's impossible for Tony Leonzo to go to hell. You said, how do you know that? Because God spoke to my heart. God changed me through the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm fully convinced of that. Nobody can change that. I can be put through the fire of trials of this world and nothing can change that. But I'm telling you now that the world is starving, wanting to know what is right, what is true, what is real. Tell me something real. And as our trials and our temptations and our faith gets tested, as we go through this world and as we experience things that are going to happen and change around us, we as a church and we as Christians say, I will not bow to lies. I will declare what is right. I will declare what is true. I will do whatever it takes because that is the only thing that will set people free. I'm asking you guys, if we go forward as a church, I'm not going forward with half truths. I'm not going forward apathetic. I'm going to stand firmly on the word of God because I know it would change me and it would change them. But we've got to be decided to do this together in our hearts.